Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Early Line right here on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez, and we've got Kevin Walsh in again for us as we continue to look at what these teams are going to do in advance of the NFL draft, which is tonight. Kevin, are you excited? I'm as excited as Tim Tebow at a press conference. The idea that we actually have live action or I don't, I guess Mm -hmm. sports on some level, but live things to follow that we can make a little bit of cash on. Uh, I think uh, they're going to get some good ratings tonight. What do you say, Kev? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've always been a bit of a draft junkie, so this is just going to amplify it. Like, I love drafts because yeah. you still you get to almost like fantasy book it in a way you're like all right this team comes here and this team comes there and now it's the most important sporting event we've had in a while in a very yeah. long time since I mean, the big the- east played one round of their conference <laughs> with st john's against creighton and that was only a half of action right i right. think it's i guess we've had we have had some ufc fights Right, we have had some ponies are still running. We've had some soccer in Belarus. But for the casual fan, this is going to be the night. And it's like, you know, every team gets better, right? Hope springs eternal for all 32 teams tonight. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, it's probably the biggest thing that will have the most eyes on it since the Super Bowl, maybe. Because at this point, usually on the in-between, you would have had the entirety of March Madness and we would have been, you know, begun the NBA playoffs. So... I mean, this is actually going to be not trying to like be dramatic about it, but it's legitimately like something that people are going to be so excited to have. Yeah, I'm very excited for it as well. Unfortunately, you've mentioned some of the other sporting events that we have already sacrificed, whether it be opening day of Major League Baseball season, the Masters, March Madness, among others. But we are back at it with the draft tonight. And by the way, keep it locked here on Sports Grid, okay? We are going to have you covered. We always say if you want the edge, get on the grid. Be on the grid tonight. Be on the grid tomorrow night. It's going to be Mike Blewett, Ariel Epstein, and myself, along with a bunch of roving correspondents and reporters keeping you clued into what every team is doing in the NFL draft but Kevin before we get to the draft and that is where we will spend a lot of our time today here on the early line we have to talk about a huge piece of news that dropped yesterday the idea that Rob Gronkowski a it looks like he's coming out of retirement b he told the Patriots much like he told the Patriots two years ago Kevin that I ain't playing with a quarterback that is not Tom Brady. And so a trade has been completed. Rob Gronkowski gets sent to the Tampa Bay Bucks along with a seventh-round pick for a fourth-round pick in this year's draft. I have so many ways to go about mm-hmm. this. What are your first takeaways when you started to see this come across, whether it was on your phone, on social media, one yeah. of your friends texting you? When you saw this buzz starting to happen, what was your initial reaction, Kevin? I guess when I first saw it, because it was the kind of the, it initially started with the rumor of it. It's like, right. oh, he could become, I mean, it had happened all within a 20 minute window of, it could happen to, he's a buck. Um, but people initially were like, oh, I don't, I don't think maybe to get the deal done. And I was instantly, I was like, Bill already tried to trade him. So this is a no brainer. Yep. This is a guy that he already wanted to trade and he never thought he would be able to get anything out of again. So this was such an, easy decision for Bill Belichick. And I think when you talk about getting a fourth round selection, there was some, you know, I think people who were like, oh man, you can't get more for the, you know, the greatest tight end of all time. But listen, at the end of the day, he's the tight end of the decade, right? They released the all decade team. He's the tight end of the decade. But even his last season, he was far from the, you know, what was one of the 10 best players in the league, probably. And if not higher for a lot, you know, a lot of that decade, and you now remove a year, and specifically when you kind of think about the impact that Gronk can have, I don't feel super comfortable um, being strong on either side of the fence as to whether this guy's lost it or that he's going to come back and be even one of the five best guys at the position. Yeah, I mean, we will see. He has been away from the game for a year. And there's different ways you could even spin that, right, Kevin? The fact that he's been gone could be that he's, like, rested and ready to go, a la Le'Veon Bell sitting out a year. 
Or you could say he is a year older. Back injuries don't always get better just because you cross 30. Yeah. It is at that age. But something was calling him back. I was starting to see this. I got to tell you the God's honest truth, Kevin. I was starting to think this was possible as soon as I heard the reports that he was putting weight on again. Okay, when I saw him a few months ago promoting like at the Super Bowl, Gronk Beach and all this stuff, I was like, this guy has lost like 40, 50 pounds. He is not playing in the NFL again. Okay, but then as you know, he signed a contract with the WWE. He put on a little bit of weight. I was like, wait a second. He may be getting ready for a return. I think that was one of the um, kind of one of the early signals for me, but you mentioned that you don't know necessarily how much this moves the needle. Our friends at FanDuel, Kevin, have started to hang prop bets already. So I'm going to pin you to one side or another. And it's great. They have prop bets out for a number of the big running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, and even tight ends. So now with Gronk back in a new system with, mm-hmm. far, with other weapons around, and there's only one ball last time I checked. But uh, they're hanging, in essence, 600 yards receiving, okay? 599 and a half as his prop bet total. Remember, uh, the NFL and the Bucs must play 16 full games in this season for yeah. this bet to be live. But we we're talking about about 600 yards for Gronk in the season of 2020. What's your initial lean here, Kev? Under, because he doesn't have to play 16 games just because the Bucs yeah. do. Yeah, and... NFL has to have a full schedule, but Gronk. <laughs> doesn't have to be available. That's true. And if, I mean, if you think about it with the Buck situation, I'm sure we'll expand on it, right? But, he, yeah. you know, the tight end room is incredibly crowded. Forget the fact that, you know, there are two stud wide receivers that will also command more targets than him. And even if we see one of them moved in terms of the tight ends, it, again, it doesn't mean that they're going to need Rob Gronkowski to be Rob Gronkowski of old. They, of course, I can't even sit here and be like, oh, you know, the number one option in the red zone. Mike Evans still brings that same size. They're going to use Gronk where it makes the most sense. But him not being top three in targets on this team, I think, is totally possible. And, of course, this Bucs team, now, it will obviously depend on how their season is going. But if they try and be a bit more cautious with him when it comes to any type of injuries because they know that the playoffs matter significantly more – yeah, you know, I'm not trying to say, oh, the Bucs are going to be able to rest players, but you got to be careful with Gronk, who always had these injuries issues. And, he, again, like, even in his prime, sometimes would have to miss a game here or there. And is that season off, we don't know rest or rust. So I'd lean under. Yeah, I, that's fair. And let me ask you about this. You know, I've had this conversation back and forth on this very show, on this network, with folks like Joe and Jared. I want to get your thought on it as well. You know, one of the things we said last year in fantasy football – Kevin, was like, you know, O.J. Howard uh, was drafted high, was a big kind of sleeper. Oh, maybe he will break out. He defecated the mattress in terms of fantasy last year, right? But a lot of people, in essence, said, Kevin, that, oh, wait a second, Bruce Arians' system doesn't utilize the tight end. Bruce Arians doesn't want to use the tight end. It's not a good fit. That may be why we started to hear buzz and rumors about a month ago, Kevin, that O.J. Howard could be available via trade. And I kept on having a conversation with Joe, like, you know, do you, do you think the Bucks this year will look like a Bruce Arians offense or like a Tom Brady quarterback offense, right? That is not going down the field. That is finding the hot routes. That is looking at the two-way goes out of the slot. You know, there's the idea... For example, when Peyton Manning went to Denver, he was like, no, 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 this is what we're running. Do you, yeah. think, do you think the Tampa Bay Bucks offense will look like a Bruce Arians offense or like a Tom Brady offense? And regardless of which way you answer that, what does that mean for mm-hmm. Rob Gronkowski? I think, I, think it's, I think it's a great point, and I think the answer is not looking for a cop-out, but I just genuinely believe it's somewhere in the middle. Sure. I don't think that... Tom Brady chooses Tampa Bay if he doesn't believe in what Bruce Arians is trying to do. And to some degree, I think of vice versa. I don't think Bruce Arians would be all that happy about having to come in and just turn thing everything over to Tom Brady. But I think that there's going to be a mutual level of respect. And again, it's why I like this move for both sides that will allow them to kind of come together here, right? So as much as we know Bruce Arians loves the, you know, deep passing game and to attack the field, Brady might say, listen, that's great. And we've got great options to do that, but we got to pick our spots a little bit more. 
you know, the ability to create mismatches at the tight end position is paramount. And it would have, it's funny because every single season, OJ Howard, something happens to tell you, oh, I could buy in on Howard this year. Now it's like, no, because if, if he doesn't get moved, you, he's can't be, he can't be the favorite target period, obviously. He also can't can't be the favorite tight end. I don't know if he could be the second favorite tight end. It's so, Again, I think that it means we see certainly more involvement than what we had experienced kind of in the year past. And I can't even really hang that on Jameis because I feel like Jameis has enjoyed the tight ends when he's had the opportunity to kind of – Yeah, absolutely. You know, to to go that route. But ultimately, I I expect more of a compromise. I'm just hoping to see O.J. Howard move teams so we can kind of find out what it really is because there was so much talent there. And then remember he – Barehanded a ball in the Tampa Bay Rays game, so we all decided that he's absolutely good because that was all we needed. He was chilling right uh, down the first base line in that area they had for the Rays, and he made like a nice one-handed catch. And then you know, a couple of seconds later, the announcers realized, "Hey, that's OJ Howard," and they're the <laughs> jokes, right? Like that's the best catch he'll make all season. That's yeah. the- Time he's gonna get targeted. All <laughs> let me ask it for you in a different way, okay? Because I don't know if you've seen Kevin, but I've t- I've coined the term in fantasy the fantasy herd. Like for example, the Rams offense a few years ago, you never knew which player was gonna pop off, right? It could be sure. Cup one week, Woods one week, you know, um, Cooks over the top another week. And while that was great for the Rams. That didn't necessarily help you as a fantasy manager with any of them, right? And it's, it, I call it the herd, when you have so many options that it actually deflates the consistent production of all of them. Now you have a herd in Tampa Bay with Mike Evans, Godwin, who, by the way, the two of them were the best tandem in the NFL last year before the injuries hit. Both of them over 1,000 yards in like 11 weeks of action. Both of them being drafted as top 10 fantasy wide receivers this year. I guess my question is, how much of that pie does Gronk eat into? Does this impact, I guess it obviously does on some level, but how much does this impact, say, the prospects, the statistical production, the fantasy outlook, for Mike Evans and for Chris Godwin, especially when you mentioned the idea that he is the apple of Brady's eye in the red zone for someone like Mike Evans, who does have that kind of touchdown production, may he get less opportunities. Are you dropping guys like Evans and Godwin? You know, I think that's really interesting. I think the idea of the fantasy herd, right? So it it all depends on the team. We think about the chiefs, right? There's a ton of different options that on a weekly basis you need to put in your lineup. And it's not a feast or famine situation where only one of them are going to hit. Like if you're starting multiple chiefs in your team, you could have big weeks from multiple guys. And it's honestly really interesting to think about this Bucks team and how explosive they're going to be. Are they going to be one of the top five scoring offenses in the league? They uh, or Kevin, they were last. 100%. 100%. It's Will Brady wanting to – because you said it last week, and I think we, glorified game manager sounds, right. like, so disrespectful. But I, I, people, I think, understand kind of where you're as well agreeing with you on that point, where it's just if they're playing a little bit slower, it's just that – the more methodical pace that the Patriots seem to to play at overall, though, again, like I can't, if you want to dock the, I mean, you know, I'm talking about, you know, the guys who do the fantasy projections at the top level, guys like yourself who will tell you, I think Mike Evans catches, you know, 6.5 touchdowns or 8.5, whatever it may be, touchdowns a season. If you want to dock a couple of those because Gronk comes in, that makes all the sense in the world. But I, you know, as more of a, I would say a drafter when it comes to fantasy football, when I pay, you know, attention, I'll give you my takes. But I think as a drafter, I'm not going to knock a Mike Evans or a Chris Godwin too much for a guy that I can't even confidently tell you goes out there and gives you a full 16. Nevertheless, is going to be the most targeted guy from that position group in this offense. Yeah, I mean, that does make sense. I mean, on some level, Gronk is going to cut into uh, the target share. But the idea, you're right. We don't know how available Gronk will be. And Evans and Godwin are still, you know, something that lured Tom Brady there in the first place, right? So the idea of that offense, I think, you know, remember one of the things I did say in my mock, though, Kevin, right? Like their offense is one of the top five in terms of point per game last year. And the fact that Tom Brady can just, in essence, be more careful with the ball. You know, literally, Kevin, if he threw 10 picks 
last this year, right? That's 20 less than Jameis Winston. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I have to think that, you know, their offense will be a little bit more uh, careful with the ball. That is why, Kevin, in my mock draft, I still have them going defense. Offense is not the side of the ball that they need to fix. They've done so with Tom Brady. They've even now done so with Rob Gronkowski. The last question I want to ask you about here, Kevin, and I'm taking a chance. Um, are you familiar with the fact, are you aware that Rob Gronkowski is currently a WWE champion? Okay. Are you aware? I'm, yeah, I'm a massive wrestling fan, so I'm okay. incredibly aware. So then you know about this. So the question is, will the next 24-7 champion be R-Truth or Tom Brady? Yeah, I mean, I got to think right now that I would put Brady as the favorite. This right. is a dream scenario for Vince McMahon because he now has one of the most popular players, genuinely one of the most popular players in the NFL as a 24-7 champion. Yeah. With all due respect to the title, it's a joke belt. It's oh, a comedy true. title. And, I mean, I think Rob Stone, a Fox Sports analyst, uh, once rolled up our truth on set. Like, they, they have fun with it. So, yeah. you're going to see, like, Gronk show up to the – and I hope they do stuff like this. Bruce show up for the first time. He meets Bruce Arians, and he shakes his hand, and Bruce Arians rolls up Gronk. Like, right. that's the type of stuff that they can do, and people will love it. And, I gen and, it, and it can generate more eyes to the product. So, it's a no-brainer. Like, Gronk is, is set to become – the longest reigning 24-7 champion. And, and the belt's going to stay more so in, in that Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, in that area. And yeah. remember, even if you have to shelter in in the state of Florida, they tape in Orlando. The Bucs are in Tampa Bay. <laughs> You're not violating any kind of state quarantines in order to do so. And for those who don't know, if this is not like the Intercontinental Championship. The name 24-7, like you said, Kevin, it's a comedy, you know, it's for a comedy segment almost every show. It's like his head has to be on a swivel at any time, at any place. All you need is a referee. So imagine the kind of directions it can go. One of the things here, though, that I started to see as soon as Rob Gronkowski to the bus happened was the idea of O.J. Howard, though, Kevin. And that's what I want to talk about when we come back here on the early line. We're going to talk about O.J. Howard and other players who, in this week leading up to the draft, we have heard that they may be on the trading block. We're going to get Kevin's thoughts on if they actually move in the next 48 hours or in the next couple of weeks. O.J. Howard is definitely one. Will they or won't they? And if they do, who might be the suitors for people like O.J. Howard, for people like Jamal Adams and others? We test the BS meter as we head into draft night here on the early line. It is Dane Martinez and my man, Kevin Walsh, in for Joe Ranieri, giving you everything you need. It's draft night after all, let's do it. If you want the edge, that's what we're giving you here early in the morning. It's the early line after all. Stay on the grid, we'll be right back. Uh, you know, judging the smoke screens of it all. Come on right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the early line here on SportsGrid. Kevin Walsh is in for Joe, hanging out with me for a couple of hours as we look ahead at tonight's draft. It is a big night in the NFL. We already talked about the big news from earlier this week. Rob Gronkowski is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer repaired with TB12. We've talked about the impact not only for the Bucks' offense, but the fantasy prospects, right, of not only Gronk, but by definition, the ripple effect for guys like like Chris Godwin, who are flying up fantasy draft boards. But it begs the question, Kevin, then what about O.J. Howard, right? Now, we know they've already brought back Cameron, making America braid again, and O.J. Howard was sort of this guy on the outs. Was he a fit in the Bruce Arian scheme? And even before this Gronk news, we were getting reports that, you know, O.J. Howard could be had via trade at some point this draft weekend. So what I ask you, as we will with some of these other players in this kind of will they or won't they segment, the question is, do you think it's real that they're on the block or will in fact move? And then if so, who might be some of the teams in the market for a tight end, in this case, like O.J. Howard? So do you think this is real or just a smokescreen that O.J. Howard could be on the move? 
Yeah, I think it's got to be real. And I, I would like to believe that part of the reason maybe the O.J. Howard stuff started to pop up even more is right. I'm sure they would have loved to get that deal done before now. The Let phone calls have to be super different, right? Like, hey, you want O.J. Howard? Yeah, sure. Like, you're not getting a ton, but we want the guy because it, it, it makes all sense. Why are you holding on to this guy? You didn't lose – like, you didn't – you should have got him at some point during the season last year because it became abundantly clear he wasn't going to be part of the offense. Now – they held on to him, and who knows, you know, maybe if they weren't able to get the Gronk deal done, Brady could have been excited about the proposition of, you know, O.J. Howard kind of growing with this football team. Overall, though, there is still some value attached to his name by being a top 20 pick when he was drafted. There's going to be teams out there who believe they can get more out of him. Now, you're not going to recoup a first-round selection. You've done far too much damage to him, uh, and again, you don't have the leverage, but Yes, I very much so believe that O.J. Howard, and maybe this is just me foolishly hoping because I really just want to see him in a new situation. And I'll tell you right now, when you think about teams that he could go to here, um, I kind of thought he could have been a part of this Patriots deal. Right. They could use some some more tight ends, and that seemed like such a Bill Belichick thing to where, you know, again, and I'm not trying to have a hot take here. Would it surprise anybody if – a part of this deal, it was a Gronk OJ Howard swap, yeah. and by season's end, we would say the Patriots got the better tight end. Yeah, I mean, I, I also had that immediate reaction when you see on social media, kind of anytime anyone's name gets brought up, that gif of Bill Belichick walking in, you know? So yeah. If we take the Patriots off the table, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think that is the kind of knee jerk reaction. As we head into this draft, Kevin, who were some of the other teams that you thought might have been in the tight end market, whether mm -hmm. that be now? Because, like, now you have different routes, right? You know how I was talking about uh, with the Chargers at quarterback? You also have now what's behind door number two. Well, now, if you are a team that was looking for a tight end, now you could acquire O.J. Howard via trade. Uh, Trey Burton got cut by the Bears a couple of days ago, so he's out there on the market. Or you can go the draft route with a guy like Cole Kmet if you want to spend what I'm hearing maybe a second-round pick on him. Mm -hmm. So if you are a tight end needy team, you know, kind of what do you think is the best option to spend something to get O.J. Howard, sign a guy like Trey Burton or others who are out there on the street, or use that draft capital to go get someone new? I think O.J. Howard would be my pro – like where I would look first because the Cole Kmet, we're seeing him, you know, again in circles. It seems like he's rising a bit. Uh, his over-under, as I most recently saw it, was 41 and a half. And it was split dead even beside between the over and the under. Uh, and there are some people who believe he could end up finding himself in the first round. And whether you think that's high or not, I think it's understandable considering the gap seemingly between him and whomever you believe the next best tight end is seems very, very big. And we know how valuable good tight ends are to good offenses, right? I mean, we had Travis Kelsey versus George sure. Kittle uh, in the Super Bowl. So we know how much a game-changing tight end. Not saying that Cole Kmet's of that caliber, but you, I think you, you get the point that I'm making here. So the fact that O.J. Howard would be able to be had for potentially a, a third-round pick, maybe I'm being foolish in thinking that that would be enough to get the deal done. But to some degree, I also don't know how they even can command a third-round pick, considering the position the Bucks have backed themselves into. A, another team that kind of jumps out to me and – you know, I don't know how much they try to address this spot, but, it, I mean, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, I know defense is a big deal, but being able to get another weapon like that after losing Jason Witten, uh, who had to, to some degree as a surprise, who went to uh, Vegas this year, I definitely think uh, that's a team that would really be able to, you know, strengthen kind of the offense with a guy like O.J. Howard, who I still believe has tons of potential. Yeah, you know, um, you bring up a good point. We will see. Definitely something to keep an eye on, just making the point that if you even do want a tight end, there's lots of different ways you can go. Another name, though, Kevin, that's been kind of in the news back and forth, you know, a trade candidate is uh, Washington football team tackle Trent Williams, okay? Now, this has been a story for a while. Remember, the mistrust that he has with the medical staff there in Washington, with the old head coaching regime. I mean, the man wound up having a tumor and and you know the medical staff was pretty much like hey rub some dirt on it drink some robitussin you'll be fine yeah. okay so uh this idea he did in fact hold out 
right? Didn't play. And now, even with a new regime, Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio coming on in, trying to improve this team, it doesn't look like Trent wants to be there. So mm -hmm. I think this is real. I think the only issue, though, and you mentioned it before, is the idea of leverage, right? Because everyone mm -hmm. else in the NFL knows they have to kind of move him or they may not get full value for him. I don't know that Washington is going to get a first-round pick like they want. They may have to settle for something else. Do you think when all is said and done, Trent Williams will be moved over draft weekend? Yeah, I think a first-round pick could end up being a bit lofty. Overall, though, I think this deal certainly does get done. And I think it makes a lot of sense from both sides of it because they just had pretty much a full year, nothing from Trent Williams. There's no reason to continue down that road. Uh, we saw Ian Rappaport of the, the NFL Network say that that's a name that's starting to heat up. Uh, right. So it makes all the sense in the world. And you, you think about the uh, the Redskins situation there. They don't, I believe, have any pick in the second round. So they absolutely could really use to add. That's why I always thought them trading back at two could be in play more than maybe people thought. Just because they could use extra assets. Again, ultimately, I don't think that happens. But it was very understandable. Um, for them to be open to that idea. Trading Trent Williams is another way to gain more draft capital. Uh, draft capital, And one of the teams that really comes to mind is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because wow. they're a win. They're a win. Not only are, because we know they're a win-now team, but they are in a weird spot at 14, right? As we discussed yesterday yeah. throughout your month, they'd love to see one of the big four tackles fall to them at 14. But the board isn't always going to land that way especially if the Giants get us started at four with right. this tackle run. If we already have half of them off the board by the time we get out of the top eight then with the Cardinals, it's going to be a bit of a stretch for the Bucks to be able to see one of those tackles there. Now, by when day one ends, if you see a more desperate Tampa team I... say, yes, we will give you this year's second and next year's second. I think for a rebuilding Washington team, that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, Washington does not have a second-round pick, as you alluded to. And that time in between the first and the second round, you got a full day to reset the boards yeah. that may have their phone ringing off the hook at that point. Another player that I want to mention, okay, that we have heard rumors back and forth with is Odell Beckham. In Cleveland, Jared, you know, the idea of will they actually move him? I know there is a new regime there with Stefanski coming in as the head coach. And I among I am with a lot of people thinking that a culture change is in the cards there in Cleveland. I, I know there was buzz about potentially going to Minnesota. I didn't think that was a good fit. They already had a quasi-diva who wanted to get paid in Stefan Diggs. Bringing in someone like Odell, I don't know, is a fit. You, we keep on talking about Vegas in a lot of reasons, right? I know Vegas is a team that is playing in the wide receiver market, right? Whether it's drafting early on. Remember, they tried Antonio Brown, for goodness sakes, last year. They want a wide receiver one. Could they or another team be in the market for Odell? Do you think Odell is long for Cleveland this year? So I think teams being willing to go after Odell should still be a thing. I think the talent that had him comfortably recognized as one of the five best wide receivers in football is still there. You know, a lot of people took a lot of shot like, oh, see, this is what you get. You know, you know, you know, Eli's not so bad now. Look how Baker is. With all due respect to those people, cut it out. Like nobody thought that Baker was going to be that bad, which as he was last year, nobody thought the Browns offense was going to be as bad as it was last year. Now you obviously I think are very fair for anybody who says that he didn't handle it um, gracefully. And I think that that's totally fair. But I, that's why I think if I'm a football team that's looking to trade for Odell Beckham, I need to be confident in my team and specifically what I can do offensively in my quarterback play. And, yeah, I still think that teams should be willing to go after him. It's a, it's a question when you – are the Browns is – do you really want to move on from right. a roster that last year we looked at and said, yeah, this team can absolutely compete for a Super Bowl. There's no reason it can't. The Baker regression is what led to this kind of falling out. They've done everything they could this year, I believe, the Browns. I think that's part of the reason they signed Austin Hooper. I think that they're a team this year who's saying, this is you, Baker. If you don't make it happen, then they're going to be a team who's going to have to start scanning the board for more options. I can't even believe I'm saying this, but 
a la the Chicago Bears and their feelings towards a Mitch Trubisky is how the brand, the Browns uh, could feel towards Odell Beckham. In terms of a team, though, if he becomes more available, I think the Eagles come to mind because, mm-hmm. again, we know that they're willing to trade up for one of the big three. But if they're not able to pull that off, still being willing to trade for a big-name wide receiver could be in the cards for them. And bringing Odell back to the NFC East as well could be attractive for Philly. Yeah, I think that's interesting, right? And the other point that you make, Kevin, is that's why I think all these things, it's like all quiet on the Western front right now because the draft is still in play tonight, starting tonight, right? And teams will then recalibrate during and after the draft to see if their needs have been addressed. So maybe some of these players, if they don't move over this weekend, next week we're going to see some phones ringing off the hook. You know, one team, Kevin, that I've heard a bunch about you know, recently is the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Whether it's Yannick Ngakwe and his back and forth with the vice president, uh, Tony Khan, or whether it's rumors around Leonard Fournette. At one point, we heard Leonard Fournette potentially um, connected to Tampa Bay, but that didn't make sense for me. To me, they're going to go at it with Ronald Jones as they're kind of early down or in between the tackles back. If anything, Tampa's Mm -hmm or a passing back, a PPR, the fantasy world back, right? A third down back. I don't think that Fournette fits the mold there necessarily. Now, Fournette and Ngakwe, you know, kind of where they are in their contract, they may be moved by Jacksonville. And the other thing here is they're chirping. Right. And with all the drama in Jacksonville, it seems almost like in Houston with Bill O'Brien, if you go against the judge, jury and executioner, you're gone. Right. So I I actually do believe that Ngakwe and Fournette could be on the move in Jacksonville. The question is, who actually wants them and at what price? How do you see it playing out for these Jaguars who may be moved? Yeah. So the Yannick battle with Tony Khan is kind of funny. I mentioned I'm a big wrestling fan and AEW. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm more of an AEW fan than a WWE fan these days. Like I, I adore AEW. So I'm already team Tony Khan in any battle. Uh, the thing with Yannick Ngakwe is it's, you know, obviously trying to figure out kind of, so I don't, I wouldn't label him a head case, those type of things. He just clearly wants to be gone. Now he's not handling the situation incredibly well, but if I were a team trading for him, I think that you'd have to have a little bit more confidence that you'd be able to, you know, resurrect the situation. You just have to pretty much be willing to pay him, but that's always what makes the kind of guys like Yannick Ngakwe difficult to me is it, you already have to pay up in terms of assets that you would need to deliver to the Jaguars in order to get him to your side. You then, on top of that, have to pay him. So if the Jaguars' asking price for Ngakwe is only factoring in the talent and not the fact that the team receiving him would need to pay him, then this is just going to end up potentially a sticky situation where he sits out. I think it should get done. I'd love to see it get done. I'm a little less confident than when it comes to the Leonard Fournette situation that should get done without a problem. We've heard rumors that the draft compensation that they're looking for is a 2021 day three selection. I mean, (laughs) why not? At all 31 should be making a, should be making a call. Then I understand Leonard Fournette isn't Christian McCaffrey. But he's also, I mean, to me, he's not a bum. I thought he had some nice games in Jacksonville. Uh, an offense that still, I think, lacked some creativity. Um, I mean, always the right environment, right? He's still a 1,000-yard rusher. Did not have a horrible year. And if that's the asking price, Kevin, sure, he's kind of worth a flyer. But it's funny. When you talk about being worth a flyer for someone who was a top-five overall pick and has not been a bust, has 1,000-yard belt, I think – Kevin, this just speaks to the value of the running back position. And we have talked about this. Before we go, and I have some other names. We'll keep it going on the other side of the break. But you kept on mentioning things like AEW and WWE. Did you see, Kevin, that Oliver Luck, the commissioner of the XFL, is suing Vince McMahon for, quote-unquote, wrongful termination? They had to shutter the doors of the XFL, but Oliver Luck, yes, Andrew Luck's dad, former AD, former BCS chairman, now XFL defunct commissioner, he's suing for wrongful termination. What did he do wrong, Kevin? Yeah, no, I mean, basically, Vince, there was a contract in his clause that he pretty, I think Oliver Luck would be yeah. paid the entirety of his deal yeah. if uh, the league went under, so right before the league goes under, Vince fired him. Now, the thing I guess that Vince kind of forgot in this situation is the power that he has over pretty much every single wrestler in his company 
because of the situation that he has created there, right? Like they are essential employees that are not even full-time employees. They're all independent. Yeah, it's a whole thing. But to me, um, I think he probably didn't realize what he's doing. I think Oliver Luck's going to have a much uh, sturdier backbone than, you know, the guys that he brings to Monday Night Raw to do a live taping during a pandemic and then fires them the next day. Yeah, like so, Hogan in the type. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah okay. I, I think that Oliver Luck is going to uh, – Keep an eye on for sure. I just wanted to get your take because, you know, yeah. we've been wrestling a couple of times. On the other side of the break here, Kevin, there are other names that are kind of being batted around in advance of the draft tonight and this weekend. I want to get your BS meter, smokescreen meter on a couple of others. And then later on in the show, we also look – remember, I gave out a mock draft yesterday here on the early line. Let's compare it up against some of the prop bets and see if we can find value. That's what we do here. We give you the edge on Sports Grid, and Kevin Walsh and Dane Martinez are going to continue doing it here on the early line on the other side of the break. Come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, to The Early Line. I'm Dane Martinez. He is Kevin Walsh, giving you what you need to make sure you can earn a little bit of extra cash here during the draft, which starts tonight. And do not forget, we will have it locked tonight. If you want the edge, be on the grid tonight. Mike Blewett, Ariel Epstein, myself, and a cast of characters will be giving you all the insights you need as the NFL draft happens starting tonight on a number of platforms. But just stay on the grid. All right, Kevin, before we uh, took a last break, we were talking about some of the buzz that we've been hearing. And we know this is smokescreen season, right? Everybody throws things out there and you have to kind of trust or, you know, consider the source, consider the motivation of the source um, when it comes to this. And I was trying to throw in some out you to see if you believe that these are real or not. It sounds like you do think Trent Williams will move. You think it's possible for, and you do think O.J. Howard will move, but that Odell could still have a role for the Cleveland Browns. We also talked about some of the drama happening in Jacksonville. Another team that seems to have been putting out a number of players to be available for trade, letting them know that they are open for business. Kevin is a team that in our mock draft yesterday, we thought might trade out of the first round, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. I've heard everything from Tevin Coleman, a running back that they signed last year, to Marquise Goodwin, the track star. You talk about a deep threat. If you don't get Henry Ruggs, maybe you could get Marquise Goodwin. And also D Ford. So if you strike out in the pass rush game here via the draft, or if you don't want to pay Jadavion Clowney or Everson Griffin, maybe D Ford is a way you can go. What do you think about the 49ers kind of putting this out there? And do you think one or all of these guys may be on the move? I'm talking about at least I've seen Tevin Coleman. I've seen D Ford. I've seen Goodwin. I don't know if any of the others have crossed your radar. So I'll make the analogy of the 49ers pretty much approaching this the way my younger brother Connor approaches fantasy football. Uh, every single Tuesday in the fantasy football group chat, he goes, fellas, send some trades over. And people will be like, oh, who's available? And he goes, everyone's available. Everybody's got a price. And look, I mean, obviously, I don't think the Niners are lining up to trade uh, George Kittle here, right? And they're rolling with Jimmy Garoppolo. But you kind of get the point. This is a team that they're, they're keeping their ears open. And it's because they're a well-ran organization. And they understand that anybody could have a price. And I think, specifically, they realize something when it comes to Tevin Coleman. I mean, I remember when they paid Jarek McKinnon. And it was kind of a situation where, you know, people were like, oh, how stupid that was. But right. they, they knew that they could because they had all the draft uh, – or excuse me, rather salary um, space kind of available to them. So it didn't really ding them that much making that move. But they understand that they could move on from Tevin Cole, uh, Coleman. They understand that they'll be able to figure out the backfield if he's not there. And I think the big one is, is really Goodwin. I, I, there's been nothing to cool me on those rumors, and I think it's one of the things – that then makes what this team does in the first round really interesting. I totally agree that they are a team that's willing to trade back. Again, not just at 31, but as well uh, as 13. But if a Goodwin deal gets done, and I understand this is an incredibly deep draft, but that kind of speedster take the top off of a defense now being removed in Goodwin makes me wonder 
Could Henry Ruggs right. be an option for this team at 13? Maybe more than we've kind of thought in, you know, previous mocks. Yeah, I think that's possible, but I got to admit, Kevin, I see it slightly differently. And I think this is really because now we are now in year, what, two or three even of Shanahan being there and a kind of scheme that he does. Okay. And I don't know that the idea of the quote-unquote take the top off the defense guy is as needed in San Francisco. You have all these kind of Swiss Army knives, right? He, he, they value now guys like Debo Samuel, who are not the quote-unquote one-trick pony that I think Marquise Goodwin may be more of. And so I think it may be just a move or an evolution of the kind of player that fits into that offense. When you talk about Tevin Coleman, listen, they've gone at it, you know, with – um, you know, Mostart, Jeff Wilson, you know, Breida. You mentioned McKinnon, who's been sidelined for the better part of the last two years with his knee injury. It's just like they have so much quantity that almost anybody could be out there, right? And I thought Kevin Coleman was a good fit. Remember, he was with Shanahan in Atlanta, but I think they have an embarrassment of riches at the running back by committee area, which makes maybe them available for trade. One other player I want to mention to you, I am a Jets fan, Kevin, so I got to hear what you have to say about this. Jamal Adams, who many people believe is one of the top three safeties in the NFL. There has been buzz about him for a while. Um, and now there are some reports that he's being connected to the Dallas Cowboys who have said they won't trade number 17 for him. And Joe Douglas has started to walk this back as well in New York, saying that Adams is a key part, part of the core, and that we are trying to build around him. You and I are here in New York, Kevin. There has been smoke around this issue for a while. My question for you, Kevin, is, where there's smoke, is there fire here? I mean, there's definitely fire. It's, it's a matter of does that mean that we're actually – or I should say there's definitely smoke. Does that mean that we get the ultimate fire of a deal being done? I mean, when it comes to Dallas specifically, I have no idea how they could make this. Part of the right. reason they probably don't want to give up 17 is they can't be too confident they'd be able to bring him back. Again, mm -hmm. their, you know, their money That's situation fun. is going to be all over the place. Um, but you can't move Jamal Adams for anything – less than a first-round pick. He is, as you said, one of the three best safeties. I mean, he's one of the 30-some-odd best players in the league, and that might not sound high, but when you consider how many players there are, yeah, like that's really high. Um, I mean, I remember when he was picked at six by the Jets, and, and everybody knew that's an awesome pick. And the big thing was that was supposed to be a culture-changing pick. And you've seen the impact that he has had on that team. On the, Of course you've seen it on that side of the football. It's this continuing issue that apparently Adam Gase has with superstars or just players in general. It just seems like the fit is not going to be perfect. And I think the big thing for Jamal Adams, so it's funny, right? Like I just praised John uh, Lynch for kind of always answering the phone. And I think kind of Joe Douglas was probably doing a similar thing. Like job description, right? Yeah. You, you got to answer the phone. But I understand the double-sided coin of it all. It's, you know, we just had the Last Dance uh, documentary episode two was about Scottie Pippen, right? And Jerry Krause is like, listen, I'm going to answer the phone call on everybody. And, you know, the thing is, I understand that in theory, but is it worth answering the phone call to probably get an offer that doesn't justify the move just to piss off your superstar? And in this instance, they have clearly, you know, frustrated uh, Jamal Adams. I think the stuff that, Douglas has said kind of since then in his attempt to walk it back has been not just um, BS, if you will. I think it's kind of been the right stuff. You know, we know how good Jamal Adams is. We want him a part of this team for the long haul. We want this guy, you know, to be a part of what we're trying to make happen here. And I think that Jamal Adams should believe that it's almost going to be a situation though now where it could be a put up or shut up, uh, shut up situation where they almost might have to pay him early to mm -hmm. prove to them that they are, regretful of their transgressions if you will. although I understand why they did it I, I and I think the other thing here is Joe Douglas is like yeah we'll talk to Jamal Adams after the draft which is also means the deal's not getting done right you know and again the idea of kicking the can down the road but I think you're right here Kevin you know Jamal Adams is a culture changer is a growing leader on that team and if they want to have things kind of uh, look good in New York I think Jamal Adams has to be part of the solution as opposed to you know manipulated for other assets down the road there's a couple of teams 
that we've been hearing that could be, you know, active during the draft in terms of moving picks, right? Whether that's you're talking about now hearing that, you know, at seven and eight, Carolina and Arizona could be in the market. We've talked about how that would be the time where a quarterback may potentially be falling. And we've heard for the last week and a half the idea that Atlanta may want to go up not only a little bit, but all the way up to the top 10, to the top five. It sounds like they covet a cornerback. What is your kind of like smokescreen BS meter on some of these teams that say they want to move down, they want to move up? We've talked about San Francisco or Kansas City moving down and out of the first round as well. What do you think? Do you think it's all smokescreen? Do you think it's all, you know, potentially viable? Or are you not believing a word you hear, you know, in these last 48 hours leading up to the draft? So I kind of want to set this up to toss it back to you because I don't want to steal your thunder because we talked about this a little bit off air and what you said really opened my eye. And I have to admit, I think I've maybe been somewhat stubborn to the rumors that Tuatanga Vailoa could fall. And to some degree, I still am being stubborn. But uh, as I kind of said, I'm like, oh, you know, seven, eight are available and it's interesting, like, you know, that's kind of, you know, I was like, oh, maybe Tua kind of could be in for a fall. And, you know, you kind of made the point where maybe these the fall rumors are kind of starting to ramp up. And both the Panthers and the Cardinals are trying to give teams the wink, wink, nudge, nudge that, hey, listen, when the Chargers don't do it, and yes, they're not going to do it, we're right here for you if you want to come up and get the franchise quarterback. Yeah, you know, again, we're reading tea leaves. We're trying to judge if these are smoke screens or if this is real. But in the universe that I laid out yesterday here on the early yeah. line, where Tua does fall, the quote-unquote fall happens or is obvious or is known to everyone as soon as the Chargers pass or as any quarterback, whether it's Herbert or Tua, to be quite honest, that is right. still there after the Chargers. Because then we know there's not the quote-unquote you know, lock quarterback needy team to move, go for a while. And then with those quarterbacks still on the board, and we talk about the position of value, that is the moment where other teams may be recalculating and calibrating, wait a second, we now have an opportunity to go up and get, call it Tua, um, that we didn't think we had. And that's when I think there will be some teams out there all of a sudden being like, wow, Maybe we make that move. And what do you know? It will, in fact, be Carolina at seven and then Arizona at eight, who would be on the clock in that scenario. So the idea that those two teams are starting to maybe put out there, hey, you can come talk to us if you need to, I also do believe could be another indicator about, you know, uh, the fall of one of these quarterbacks if you put it all together. But then mm-hmm. again, if we're making a lot of ifs and a lot of claims and, and assumptions. We will mm-hmm. find out for sure. Start to, <laughs> you know, start tonight. Yeah. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you'll know if I was absolutely crazy right. or not one way or the other. You know, and you talk about the mock draft that I put out there yesterday, and that there were some surprises. But, you know, we also talked about, Kevin, after the mock is done, going up and checking it up against kind of some of the prop bets, some of the odds, oh. right? That's why I made that point that both Tua and Herbert right now are at pick five and a half, you know, in terms of their prop bets. So that market is falling a little bit. You've talked about movement on some of the other quarterbacks or some of the yeah. options of linemen as well who have seen their movement. So I want to dive on in to some of the prop bets and talk about how up against whether it's my mock draft that we did uh, yesterday here on the early line or other things you're seeing if you see value. All right. Now, one of the things, first of all, do you have any prop bets out there that you have to get out there that you're like, I have seen this um, over the course of the last week, either it's moving in my direction or based on more information I'm getting, this mm-hmm. seems to be a bet that you do want to throw out there. Do you have like a favorite bet in the prop bet market? For example, I gave out that the Jets would go offense with their okay. first pick, and I got that about a week and a half ago. I got it at minus 300. It's now at minus 600, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm happy about that one. Are there anything in the prop bet market that you think is a good steal that you want to give out to our listeners here on the early line? Then we'll look at comparing, say, the mock draft I did up against what some of the totals and props are. But do you have, like, a prized prop that you want to let the people know about here on uh, the early line? So there's a couple of props that, you know, and I've tweeted out um, to try and, you know, uh, to get people kind of on it as much as possible. And the odds have kind of moved off of it now to where, you know, we talked about a little bit uh, yesterday with how much the, uh, 
the line moved on that Panthers one. I had a very similar one with the Cleveland Browns. The Browns were minus 108 to take offense. It was minus 118 to take defense. It's now minus 900 that they take offense. It was just a situation where the the offense-defense market very obviously wasn't tapped into enough. And if you were able to beat them there, they were like, oh, we had a mistake. And they've obviously tried to completely overcorrect it now to where they're hoping people go, I'll take a dark throw on a defense defense pick here. As a uh, a verse bet, who's picked uh, higher? I've gone with Chase on uh, in that spot. At the time, it was closer to the 160s. It's now minus 200 last I saw. I still think that's decent enough value. Uh, When you consider betting on draft night, you're going to be probably paying more often than not a a minus price. And I don't want to say considerable minus price, but if you want to be able to feel good about a bet, and that kind of can take me to one that I haven't given out yet that I've actually uh, spent a little bit more time thinking about since you and I uh, did the mock draft. And it does line up with your mock draft. And it's the over-under 19.5 for Jordan Love. Right. And last I saw it, it was minus 150 for the over 19.5. I mean, for me, Dane, I just – and I, I, I've said this to you. I can't wrap my head around a team that makes the decision to even really – Inside the top 20, never like, nevertheless, a team trading up for him. I mean, you look in that range, I just don't understand why teams would be forcing the envelope there, right? The, the mock that you had yesterday, he went 23rd yep. to the Patriots, which, again, I totally understand why, but we both also agreed, didn't love the pick. Yeah. And why then are the Patriots trading up to make Jordan Love happen? I, I don't see why that... Like, if he falls to them and they don't have to spend anything to do it, that's one sure. scenario. But to try right. to up and plant the flag like this is our guy, that's yes. a different scenario, absolutely. And, yeah, and, and that's why the minus 150 to me on this Jordan Love prop I think is worth a look. I don't think that that's crazy, you know, right, we're not talking the Joe Burrow minus 100,000 there, right? right? <laughs> or, or even, you know, the minus 20,000 that Chase Young is to be selected in the top five. Like, a minus 150 price. 50 cents on the draft, you know? Exactly. Uh, I think the minus 150 price on, on a Jordan Love prop to where I also, I wish they had more alternate spreads, if you will, right? Like, you know how you could lay yeah. 10 and a half with the Chiefs on a given Sunday? I wish I could get, like, under 25 and a half. And, and ease these prop bets? <laughs> yeah, no, I really want to. I want to because, like, I, I, I just – there are certain guys where I see where the total is, but I'm yeah. like, oh, I think the fall could be even more drastic. And yeah. now instead of a minus 150 – You know? Yeah. <laughs> With love, though, and this is an overarching point for me, and I'll, I'll get your thought about it on the other side of the break. Jordan Love is so interesting, but I think quarterback overall, when you draft that first-round quarterback, there's the talent that they have. And then there's the environment and the coaching that they go to and receive. And those are so different. So maybe Jordan Love can flourish in New England, right? But not necessarily in some other places. I got a couple of interesting stats about that. And we will continue to hunt for prop bet value, whether Kevin can move the lines or not in hour number two <laughs> of the early line. Come on back. It's Dane and Kevin getting you ready for the NFL draft tonight. If you want the edge. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 